Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Cubby's Crib podcast on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis, as usual. Tonight's show is during a very stormy night. I'm sure if you live in Chicago, you're seeing all the lightning strikes around you and the very dark skies and the wind. Uh, hey, it uh, goes straight from winter to summer in Chicago. You got to love it. So hopefully uh, no interruptions come here, no power outages or anything. Hopefully we can stay on the air the whole time, Um, but uh, let's just welcome in Adam, and we'll get right into the show. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I'd just like to take a second to wish you a happy birthday yesterday. Uh, As Roger Waters of Pink Floyd so eloquently put it, shorter of breath, one day closer to death, so happy 24th. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I spent yesterday at the Cubs game, which... We'll talk about that game because it wasn't very good, but hey, it was a beautiful night, um, clear, breezy, warm, so at least I had that going for me. But yeah, thanks again for the birthday wishes. Okay, yeah, and so, uh, so what's uh, how many Cubs games have you been to this year? This year, this was my first one. Oh, okay. So it, it seems that your, your uh, presence there tends to have a negative effect on the team. At least that's the way people made it seem on Twitter. Ever since 2016, I've had a very poor record at Wrigley Field. Um, let's see. I was 1-2 and two last year, 2-6 two and six in 2016. My dad was 0-6 oh that year. And keep in mind that I saw all those losses in a historic year at Wrigley Field. They won more games at Wrigley Field than they ever did before. And most of them were losses. And the common theme of these losses they're never blowouts, but the Cubs just never hit. And once again, last night, the Cubs couldn't hit anything. So it was just a very typical game uh, for the Cubs to play when I attend. And even the Cubs Twitter account says that uh, they have my photo of security, so I can't be let in the games <laughs> anymore because they don't want to risk them losing. So Good. I don't want to be there in the postseason, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you are banned from Wrigley Field. I agree. And that's fair. I mean, you know. If it means the the team's going to win more games, that's fine. Yeah, take one for the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, our main topics today, uh, one is an interesting one, but first we're going to talk about the series against Milwaukee, which they played at Wrigley Field, and then the recent one against Colorado. It was a winning homestand, though it was a very strange winning homestand that ended on pretty yucky terms, we'll just say that. And then we're going to talk about former Cubs Sammy Sosa, because an interview surfaced today with David Kaplan, and he was talking about his current feelings with the organization. It's a very weird situation with Sammy Sosa. So we're going to get into that, but we'll get into the homestand first. So the Brewers series, they swept the Brewers in four games. It was pitched masterfully by the whole team, bullpen and starters, Darvish, Quintana, Hendricks, Chatwood, all gave up no earned runs. The one run that was scored off a starter in that series was unearned. So it wasn't charged to Darvish's ERA. 
And then the bullpen did a great job too. Only two Brewers runs were scored that entire series and in just one of the games. So three of those four games were shutouts. Uh, before we talk about the offensive uh, things about the Cubs, tell me about the pitching in that series. Were you really impressed by it? Do you think that a lot of it had to do with the weather conditions or do you think it was just a job well done? No, I think they just buckled up and pitched really well this time around. Uh, We've been waiting for them all to click together, and that finally started happening. Um, the Rockies, unfortunately, kind of messed that up a little bit. But, yeah, it was nice to see all of these guys pitch really well in a row. I think you know, if they hadn't, the Cubs would have lost because there was kind of a lack of offense over this homestand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be one of the things we're going to talk about in a minute but, yeah, I got to agree with you. The pitching did a real good job. The command by the pitchers looked really good. They were throwing strikes. They were throwing quality strikes. The defense was stepping up in the Brewers series, making some nice plays. Albert M. Lord Jr. continued to make some nice plays in the center field. He had some nice plays by Chris Bryant, who returned from the head injury after getting hit in the face when they were in Colorado. So he was able to come back later in that series. So you got to really applaud the Cubs for stamping down on their division rivals and just taking care of it because that was a series we wanted to at least split. You didn't want to create somewhat of a hole early on and sweeping the Brewers, I think was really, really a good thing, even if it was early on. So yeah, let's get into the Brewers. Are a oh, good sorry, team. go ahead. No, I, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, a four game sweep is nice, but the Brewers are a good team this year. And so that does, that makes it even better. I think it, shows that even though the Cubs aren't quite playing up to their potential, they still have the ability to win when they need to. Yeah, it was kind of a whole comforting thing, uh, I guess you could say. Uh, A question for you also I have is, do you got to like what you're seeing from Brandon Morrow? Because I really do. Oh, yeah. He hasn't given up a run yet, has he? Don't think so. Um, I no, don't, I don't see I don't think so either. the first game, but I know he got in a little trouble, but he got out of it. But I don't think he gave up a run. Yeah, and I think he's looked even better than Wade Davis did last year, to tell you the truth. I know Wade Davis had some crazy streak where he didn't give up a run either, but a lot of his outings were there was a lot of stress. He was walking guys, giving up hard hits, but he managed to get out of it. Brandon Morrow has just looked sharp, though, I think. Yeah, I know, like I said, the first game there was a little bit of trouble, but he got out of it pretty easily. But the next two saves he got, it was just one, two, three. In the blink of an eye, the inning was over. Because I thought, oh boy, in the second and third games, like the Brewers are going to put up a real good fight in the ninth. And he was just dotting the outside corner with that 99 fastball in the movement. And he was just locating everything really well. And I think it was the Friday game. Yeah, it was the Friday game. He was facing Ryan Braun, the last batter. It was just strike one, strike two, strike three. It was so quick. I don't remember yeah, like quicker saves like that before. Was it? What was it? Was it like two or three of those games in that Brewers series ended with Ryan Braun making the last out, and that is just sweet. That just makes victory even sweeter. I hate that. Oh yeah, guy. absolutely. Because he made the final out on Friday and Saturday. I believe. So it was two days in a row. So pretty cool if you're a Cubs fan. (laughs) What a loser. Yes. You would be the one to say that. But yeah, it (laughs) felt, it felt really good. 
Um, the last game I want to talk a little bit about against the Brewers, you got to like what you saw from uh, Tyler Chatwood, despite some early trouble in the first inning, he really settled into a groove. Yeah, so only three walks. I know only three walks. That still seems like a bit too many, but for him, that's quite low for what he's been doing this season. But he, yeah, he actually sports the lowest ERA of all the Cubs starters now at 2.83, I think. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I think you're right. Because he hasn't pitched in the Rockies series. I don't no, he think. didn't. It was Hendricks. Yeah, it was Lester Hendricks, Darvish. So, yeah, I was impressed with Chatwood. It's kind of nice to see that he's finding his groove a little bit. Control issues have been uh, pretty wild to start, but hopefully he can uh, stay settled. Well, you know, it's like we said before, he can be really erratic, but he does not get hit hard because you see the movement he puts on those pitches. Oh, yeah, that curveball's nasty. Absolutely. And that two-seamer, when he gets it over the plate, it's either going to be a swing and miss or a weak grounder, so it's a win-win. Yeah, for sure. Um, He's looked good. Uh, The rest of the staff has looked good. Bullpen has looked good. And then the Rockies come along, and it all sort of uh, falls apart. Yeah, so, uh, you know, while you mention that, why don't we get into the Rockies series? They won the first game 3-2. to two. Uh, Lester was pretty good, all things considering. The defense was really shaky in that game. Baez dropped a few balls right at him. One was a throw from Contreras. One was a line drive in the ninth inning. Luckily, Steve Cisha came in and shut down Arenado with a nice strikeout, a slider in the zone that he didn't come close to hitting. But, yeah, I mean, they almost gave that game away from the bad defense, despite Lester looking pretty good. Again, not a lot of offense, but enough to win the game. And then the next two games happened, uh, today being really bad. What did you think of today's game? I don't know how much you saw or what you saw, because I didn't see any of it. I'm pretty sure you didn't see any of it. But from the stats, video, or anything that you looked at, I mean, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to level with you. I didn't watch it, but... uh... I'm going to go with what Joe Madden said after the game. Somebody reported it. Uh, throw that game in Lake Michigan with cement boots. Just forget about it. You know, this series as a whole, I'm not really all that worried about because this is kind of the Cubs' identity. They have these scoring lulls, this stretch where they just aren't very potent offensively. That's who they are. They strike out a lot. They're going to hit some home runs. And then who knows, maybe next series they'll score 10 runs a game because that's this team kind of has an affinity for being unpredictable like that. And so a scoring drought like this isn't too concerning to me. I'm positive I'll pick it back up. And the same goes for the defensive mistakes. This is a really solid defensive team. And so I don't think that this is reminiscent of who they are. These defensive errors are going to be pretty rare for this squad. I would expect it to get a lot better. What seems most frustrating to me the last two days was the wind was absolutely howling out, and you would think that against the Rockies pitching staff at Wrigley Field with the power bats the Cubs have, you'd think they'd take more advantage of that, but unfortunately they have not uh, because they only scored one run last night when I was there. I know, my fault. I'm sorry. The Cubs Twitter even called me out on it, like I said, so I apologize again, but You know, Rizzo hit the home run to lead off, which was awesome, by the way. The crowd went absolutely nuts. 
But, you know, other than that, I think they had only two or three hits afterwards, a lot of ground outs, then a lot of strikeouts. They couldn't lift the ball at all. So I don't know if they were trying too hard. It was just, it was just kind of frustrating. Yeah. Whatever the case is, it's, I'm not that concerned about it because I know this isn't a trend. I think that they'll pick it up. They'll be fine. I'll tell you what, though. I wasn't a big fan of Madden's lineup for yesterday's game. Rizzo leading off seems kind of, and then I, I, I just don't like Bryant and Rizzo being at the top. I like them in the three and four spots. I think that's where they're best. Addison Russell hitting cleanup. I know he's swinging a better bat recently, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, you know, the lineup they were using, I know they weren't scoring a ton of runs, but were they winning ball games? Yeah, they were. And that's what matters most to me. If they're comfortable there, I say leave it until it stops working. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. Now, I wasn't surprised Baez got a day off because, he had a really rough game the day before, and he was kind of due to have a day off. So I wasn't that surprised sure, yeah. there. I was surprised, though, that neither him or Almora really used in a pinch-hitting role uh, later in that game because there were some pretty brutal at-bats later in the game where I thought they could have used one of those guys. But, you know, oh well. So, yeah, I'm, I agree with you that that really wasn't my favorite lineup either. I mean, the most exciting thing, A, was the leadoff home run which was totally wind-dated because off the bat, I said, oh, routine fly. And then he kept going back and then back and then back. And then it sailed in. But hey, it was good for Rizzo. He had been in a real bad slump. Every ball in play was an out. So he deserved a little bit of a wind-dated home run. And hopefully he's starting to pick things up a little bit because I think he had a few hits today. I really didn't see much of today. I know Darvish got hit around and a lot of balls were leaving the park off the Rockies' bats. Just a really bad day, like you said, throwing to Lake Michigan. But tomorrow will be a very welcomed off day, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. An off day always helps a little bit. And, yeah, Rizzo collected a couple hits today, two for four, which he went two for four, and it brought his batting average up to a whopping 171. (laughs) But, you know, it is encouraging that this Cubs team is four games over 500 at the start of May with a guy like Anthony Rizzo hitting below 200, you know, that just tells you that even when their stars are slumping like this, they've got enough offense from the rest of their guys to pick up the slack. Absolutely. And it was nice that the pitching staff could pick up some of the slumping offense too, because the whole point of having a really good pitching staff is to keep you in every ball game. And that's what they've done. I mean, despite today, Yesterday was a loss, but they were in the ball game because of the pitching, and then the pitching kept them in the ball game. Also, when they lost in Cleveland the night we were on the air, and then the pitching won the games, all of them against Milwaukee. So that was really important to have, and you hope that's going to be more of a trend. A lot of people were upset about the lack of quality starts and the lack of starts starters going after the sixth inning. While the past few games, we saw Hendricks going to the eighth, We saw Quintana go seven. We saw Hendricks go seven to start the series against Milwaukee. We saw Darvish go six. We saw Chatwood go seven, which was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. He went six or seven, but something like that. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So they're going deeper into ballgames, which is really nice to see. And 
I think the offense will come back, like you said. They go through highs. They go through lows. Hopefully they come back in this next series because it's a bit of a bigger one considering that they're going to be playing the Cardinals. So, yeah, we'd welcome back offense. I think we'll get it back soon. And, you know, they've been really good on the road scoring runs for the most part. So, you know, maybe that's a good omen for them. Yeah, and uh, I got to take just a second, too, to give a shout-out to my fellow Nebraska Cornhusker, Brian Dunsing. How about the job he's done in relief this year? Yeah, he's looked great. And I think some people were a little worried about, oh, last year was just kind of a one-year fluke thing. So far, he's looking good. Yeah, and I I will admit, I was a little skeptical, too, wondering if that was maybe a one-year wonder kind of thing. And I believe he did end up taking less money than what was offered to him somewhere else to go to the Cubs this year. And that's it's looking like a really good signing so far. Yeah, absolutely. That curveball so. has looked really good at times. He's been able to get some outs with that. Yeah, go Big Red. You know, I'm starting to trust Brian Dunsing over guys like Mike Montgomery, honestly. I think right well, yeah. now with the way things are going, you got to trust him more. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree with you. What's the deal with Mike Montgomery right now? Like, what? I don't understand what... We saw him today for the first time in a while, it seems like. Or am I wrong? I don't remember him pitching really in the Milwaukee series. Because, um, man, he Yeah, I remember him pitching a lot in the Colorado so series, the other Colorado series, but not recently. I almost wonder if his attitude is... You know, call me out if I'm off base here for even insinuating that that might have something to do with it, but I almost wonder if he's just... Uh, not a happy camper about being in the bullpen because we all know he wants to be in a rotation. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's, I don't think it's bad to question that. I think, you know, I, yeah, you know, I'm not saying it. that's the case, but I, I can't help but wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking it. You never know. It, it could very well be some people respond to their feelings differently. And, you know, sometimes that's what happens. So it's a possibility, not saying it's, a fact, but maybe I, I think it's okay it, to question that. Maybe maybe they trade him. If Brian Dunsing is going to be the go-to left-handed guy, and Mike Montgomery is not as effective as they were hoping, maybe they could get something for him because there's plenty of teams that could use another starter. Yeah, absolutely. Someone that could use a back of the bullpen, or uh, not really. I wouldn't say back of the bullpen. More of a long reliever slash starter. I think yeah, yeah. a number of teams could look at that because he can do both. Yeah, and as far as his starting credentials go, I think he'd probably be better than you know a lot of the team's four or five guys. You know, it's funny. We've seen instances where his starting is a lot better than his relief work. I feel like some of the starts we saw from him last year, you saw some mastery. You saw good command. You saw good movement on the pitches, like the curveball. And you're like, wow, this could be a really effective five starter, maybe even a four on some teams, but probably most likely a five right now. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, on the Cubs, there's just no room for him in that rotation. And I get that he could maybe perform better than some of these guys are right now. But that contract that Chatwood signed and the way he's pitching now, you can't bump him out of the rotation. Oh, no. uh, Darvish is your prized guy. There's 
He's not going anywhere. Quintana gave up a top prospect for him. There's nobody you can bump out of this rotation for him right now. That's just the reality for him. So he's either he's going to have to pick it up in the bullpen or who knows what happens with him. I can't see them having a guy like that just sitting on the bench all the time. No, you can't because the potential and the weapons he does have, you know, they're very valuable. And it's like one of those weird things where you're saying he's valuable, he has proven longevity, but there's clearly value there, and he has what it takes to be really good. So you can't give up on that. However, if you see the value in it and someone wants to give you something good for that value, then, yeah, you can trade him. But completely agree, you can't have him just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, so one way or another, they got to capitalize on his value. Whether he picks it up in the in the pen or it's on the market, they they got to capitalize on him somehow. And they definitely will, agree. Sure. So we're going to move on to a very interesting and complicated topic, and that is Sammy Sosa. Today, an interview surfaced with David Kaplan, talking about his relationship with the team. We all know what's going on. Sosa lets the Cubs on incredibly bad terms. They were still under ownership of the Tribune company. The Ricketts are, were not involved at all at the time. The Ricketts are not really willing to bring Sosa back unless he apologizes publicly. And Sosa says, well, you know, I apologize if I offended anyone, but I'm not really full out apologizing and I'm not begging to be brought back, but I will be brought back if they offer me to be brought back, you know, stuff like that. Um, A lot to process here. Um, I'm going to read a quote. This is from Sammy. The ownership, they have to understand that I'm a humble man. I'm not a man to have ego. When I was playing, I was a little bit because I was focused on what I was trying to do. But right now, I'm going to be 50 years old. I'm a granddaddy. I'm a grandparent. So things change. So if I made a mistake, I don't have to say that. But if I made a mistake, I didn't want to offend anybody. I don't have a problem with that. I'm sorry because, you know, I was in my zone. I don't know what your stances on Sammy Sosa are exactly. I haven't really talked to you much about that. A lot of people have varying opinions on Sammy Sosa. So before we go in depth about what he said, what is your overall opinion on the situation? Or just, just kind of how, how do you see it when you look at it, if you really look at it? Do you really care? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, respectfully, having watched that interview, I think a lot of what he said is just total BS. Um not not an egotistical, a humble guy. If that was true, then he would have apologized by now. But the fact that he refuses to do so is pretty telling, I think. And for that reason, I feel absolutely no sympathy for him. Um, and like you said, saying I'm sorry if you're mad about something that happened, that's not an apology. That's a deflection of what you did that people want you to apologize for. So, I mean, let's get that straight right now. He did not apologize today. He did the exact opposite of that, and he put the blame on the people for being offended by anything he did, which we all know. You know there's no, uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it, but yeah, I was not impressed with this interview. I think that it was just a whole bunch of woe is me, 
And the fact that he's trying to take the moral high ground on the Cubs, to me, is just appalling. To me, what this interview says is that there really is no signs of anything happening. I feel like what that says is just what we've been saying the whole time. You know, he's not going to fully admit to anything. The Cubs aren't really willing to reach out to him right now. It's a weird situation because... Like I said, Ricketts had nothing to do with the Cubs when Sammy Sosa was around. So there's no real personal connection between the two, even though it is the same franchise. Now, when Tom Ricketts was asked about Sammy Sosa during the Cubs convention, he said that we won't bring him back unless, you know, he admits he did PEDs. Frankly, in my opinion, I don't think it's the PEDs that bother a lot of people. It was Sammy himself, and, you know, I kind of got to agree that the whole him saying, you know, I'm not a man to have an ego, yeah, I think your teammates would disagree with that because it's pretty well documented and more and more comes out over the years that his teammates just grew to hate him. And frankly, I think that this is just a theory of mine. Some people have suggested it that, People around the Cubs organization, they just don't really want him around. It's it's not really a PED thing. They just don't want him around. I don't know how true that is or not. You know, I've heard that being suggested. So it's it's just something to think about. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think of that theory? Oh, I'm sure that from the player's perspective and the franchise, that is probably a big part of it, his attitude. But you know, for me, and I'm sure a lot of other fans, the PEDs are a big part of it. You know, I know that steroids were rampant during that era. I know a lot of players were using them, but I don't care. If you cheated, you're dead to me. And as far as Sosa's relationship with the Cubs, I know this is an unpopular opinion with some people, but screw him. Let him go. I don't care if he comes back. I mean, what are they what are they going to do? They're going to bring him back and put him in a Cubs jersey and have him come out on the field pregame, all the fans cheer. If they want to do that, fine. But if not, I don't care. That's no skin off my nose, and I don't think anybody else is going to be that upset about it either. You know, at this point, what does he bring to the table? He's, I don't think he's going to be some kind of ambassador to the team. I will say this. It is a little bit hypocritical on the Cubs' part to bring in Manny Ramirez as uh, a coach, that's an assistant coach. That's the issue I have with the Cubs. Yes. What, the way see, they're handling I, it. I, that's, I have an issue with that. Yeah, see, see, I don't think Ricketts is out of line in asking for an apology from Sosa. I, different ownership, same franchise, though, like you said. But, yeah, I think bringing in Manny Ramirez as a hitting coach was, you know, if you're going to shun Sosa, then bringing in Ramirez was not a smart decision. Um. But as far as their relationship goes, I really don't care. I don't, I don't see them getting back together because the bottom line is Sosa's not going to apologize. I know he says he's not egotistical and he's humble, but that's a load of crap. Uh, he's not going to apologize for doing it, even though we all know he did. And that's really all I care about. You, know, you don't get to pick and choose which rules you follow. I don't care that everyone else was taking steroids during that time. If you did it and you lied about it, then I don't, you know, I feel no sympathy for you. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. I think a lot of people have the opinion of uh, it's, it's pretty well documented in, in history that people are forgiving. If you just, you just admit you were wrong or you acted poorly. 
It's so oh, Sino yeah, you came know, out. I have no respect sorry, for ahead. him. I I would respect it if he would just come out and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I gave into the pressure of the times and I took steroids like everyone else was. It was wrong. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I would respect him if he did that, but he's never going to do that. Right. You know, if people are forgiving if you say, hey, look, that's what I did. I wasn't a very good teammate. I think a lot of people didn't like me. I didn't want to hurt anyone. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You admit you're wrong. And then you know what? A lot of people can forgive that. And I think a lot of people would if he said that. That's why I think there are still a lot of people who are, you know, don't really care about Sosa anymore. The other, the thing that's hard for me though is, and this is just going to be me completely admitting it. He's the reason like I really got into baseball as a kid. I mean, baseball runs deep within my family, but watching Sosa as a little kid brought so much joy and excitement to me that it does kind of hurt to see this all happen this way because I mean, whether we like it or not, that steroid era really kind of resurrected baseball for a lot of people. And let's be honest, the Cubs were a dead and boring organization before that all started from, you know, you had the boys of Zimmer in 89, but from 1990 to 1997, they were boring, bad, uninteresting, and that kind of got people excited again. So there is a little part of me that does acknowledge the fact that what Sosa, his, what he did on the field was important to the game of baseball and the Cubs. But at the same time, we're in an era, in a post-World Series era, where there's no more goats or curses. And the greatness is in with the team right now. The one that ended the drought that has a core of much more humble guys than Brian and Rizzo that, you know, it's like Sosa doesn't really have the status of being the greatest anymore because he wasn't any way involved on those teams. And that team that won the World Series or, you know, a great like Ernie Banks who may not have won a World Series, but he'll always be Mr. Cubs. So I think his relevance was kind of pushed down because of that, though people are still thinking about it. Yeah, and, you know, I get where people are coming from, like you say, when – uh Sosa, you know, when he was on fire, brought a lot of people that got a lot of attention. And it was, you know, it was a bright spot and an otherwise dreary Cubs team. But I'd rather have a team that plays with honesty and integrity and loses every game than a really exciting team because they're cheating. And here's the thing. You know, I get it. People say it was exciting. It was the, some of the most fun I've ever had watching baseball. You should be offended. You should be offended that he – it was fake. He was a fraud, and he expected you to buy it. You should be offended that he thinks that you're all so dumb that you would believe what he's doing is legitimate because he, you know, he's lying to you. And if you don't care about that, then you know, that's you know, to each his own. But me personally, I think people have a right to be offended that he just expects you to buy his bullcrap. Yeah, I mean – if that, if that does, you know, upset you, I can't blame you for that. You know, I don't think everyone sees it the same way, but I can't blame you for that. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I don't think it's exactly a, an unpopular thing. I guess I, I don't, maybe I don't take it as personal, but I just do feel like with me, the whole thing is it's pretty clear that you did wrong 
And the fact that you still can't admit to it, it's only going to cause more problems. This is going to conflict with a little bit of how I feel on the whole bringing him back thing. Because there's part of me, a big part of me, that says, bring him back. You know, have him for a game. You know, bring him back at Wrigley Field. Let him be there. And then just, just kind of end this whole thing. It's like, okay, you brought him back. Don't make him ambassador. Don't make him part of the team. I don't think he's interested in that. He has his own business. He has his own life. He made that pretty clear. But if you brought him back, you know, maybe people would just kind of stop talking about it. People stop asking about it. People stop wondering about it. You could just kind of end it all right there. But it's yeah. a little more complicated than that. Yeah, well, you know, I would respect it if he would admit it and apologize. But even if he does, I still don't really want him back. And even if he admits that what he did was wrong, it still it does still doesn't change the fact that what he was doing was fake. You know, you wouldn't give a student the valedictorian award still if you knew that they were just cheating on all of their tests. Uh, to me, I don't see it as being any different than that. Well, you know, I guess to me, I, I know steroids is you know at the end of the day, it, it is cheating and it should be called as such. I think what can get complicated at times is just what steroids did. Yeah, it made you stronger, but did it really make you a better hitter? Not necessarily, but you know, we can't know that. Well, that's the thing is we can't know that. You know, Mark McGuire says he would have hit 70 home runs still had he not taken steroids. Well, then why'd you do it guy? If you didn't need him to hit 70 home runs, why'd you do it in the first place and, and lie about it? Well, I'm talking just, hitting I'm not talking about hitting home runs I'm saying hand-eye coordination the ability to hit a ball to to see that I mean that's that's God-given talent but yeah it's the you know, strength it's the home run still, that is clearly still major a leaguers right they're still major leaguers they still got to where they were because they were good players but you have to ask yourself had they not had he not taken steroids would he hit as, as many home runs and I think that answer to that is a resounding no i don't think anybody would dispute that and so for me that's you know period end of question right and no i agree i don't want to sound like i'm justifying the use of it i'm just saying that i think what gets complicated with people is exactly what the cheating results were like how much did it affect it but i guess at the end of the day the argument could be that it's just the principle of the matter. You clearly did it to enhance your performance. And, you know, that is technically cheating. And I'm not disagreeing with you with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just saying I think a lot of people look at it in different perspectives. Yeah, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I understand a lot of fans feel that way. And for me personally, I just can't get around it. Um, so sad. I just – I really don't feel – anything excuse me don't really feel anything for him i could really care less if the cubs decide to bring him back in any capacity i just i'm really over the whole thing and i think sosa he's not gonna fess up to anything and that's fine he's 50 years old what good will it do now anyway right yeah and no i it's really hard looking at some of those guys and you know they acted the way they did and, you know, they, they took PEDs and, you know, it's, it's very dishonest. You want to put an asterisk by those numbers. You don't always want to call Barry Bonds, the home run King. You want to reserve that for Henry Aaron. 
you know, I, I, I always saw it as cheating as a kid and, you know, I still do. It's just, it, it's so complicated with, you know, the effects of it or was it considered cheating at the time? What was legal? What was illegal back then? It just makes for this whole complicated mess uh, that oh, yeah. a lot of I people mean, get into. Barry Bonds and Sosa, I don't think there's any denying the effect. I mean, look at both of those guys early on in their careers, especially Bonds was a twig at first, and he was a great hitter before you know, maybe he was taking him the whole time. But when he was skinny, he was still a great hitter, and then all of a sudden he's just this veiny monster who looks like the Hulk. And I'm oh, yeah. supposed I to mean... believe that he just did that by lifting weights? Come yeah, on. no, no way. There's no way. He clearly did PEDs. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of them are undetectable, so, you know, some are detected, some aren't, and it just gets in that whole other mess of, well, who was doing it, who knew wasn't. There was clearly plenty of people doing it. Some people could have been doing it that we don't know about. Uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to know, but, you know, there was clearly some acts going on with a number of guys, including McGuire and Clemens and Bonds and all those guys. And the other thing with Sammy Sosa is, is that he was caught cheating with the court's bat. And I think that to me was even more off putting than PEDs at the time. I, you know, I was just a kid when it happened, but you know, that was like clearly being caught in the act of cheating. And you know, that to me and many people was very off putting. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing is uh, another one where he really, you should be offended that he thinks you're so stupid that you would believe that he just misplaced a practice bat. And why do you have a corked bat for practice in the first place? That's just stupid. Well, he says to put on a show for the audience, you know, believe that as you will. I, I, I don't yeah, well, really. Do it. Just do it with your big, giant, fake muscles. And... Yeah, I don't, it's that, that whole thing was, you know, that, that was really kind of the beginning of the end when you think about it with him. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like you said, the fact that he was just almost an unbearable teammate, too, didn't help matters any. He didn't make it any easier on himself, so I don't really feel bad for him at all. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I have sympathy for him. Um, am I one to chain Wrigley Field and say, never let Sosa back in? No, because frankly, if they brought him back, I wouldn't mind it. If they decide to do it, okay. Um Am I going to be one saying you absolutely have to bring back Sammy? Sometimes the thought of Sammy being around can get me a little excited on Twitter because of a nostalgia factor, but Makes you know, me at the nauseous. end of the day, what? <laughs> makes me nauseous, the thought of that. Well, everything I say makes you nauseous. So you Mostly know. because he looks like a vampire. Like, quite literally, he, he's very repulsive to look at just because he, whatever he's doing with the, the bleach, I don't want to get into that, but, you know, his, he, he looks like a vampire these days. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak much about his looks. I mean, that doesn't really affect me either way, but, um, you know. kind of gross. <laughs> I mean... If he's happy doing what he's doing and the Cubs don't ask him back and he's happy and the Cubs are fine not asking him back, I guess I'm not going to protest. I mean, I've I've called for Sammy to come back several times, but, you know, things like we've talked about, whether it was the PEDs or the way he acted around the team, can make me think twice at times. It's It's very complicated how I feel, I'll be completely honest. 
I'm not really strong one way or the other because my feelings kind of go up and down. But long story short, it, this is a new era of Cubs baseball. This is a time where we're no longer the lovable losers. I, I guess if that's just if they don't want him back and then whatever, I guess they don't want him back. Just I just wish the Cubs wouldn't play the whole, oh, if he admits PEDs thing and then do the Manny Ramirez thing, because that honestly, like you said, made him look a little hypocritical. Um, yeah, I, if they don't want him back, just say, we're not interested in bringing him back. That's all you got to say. Just say, we're not interested. Right. Yeah. And that's what I wish they would do. And at this point, having brought Manny Ramirez in as a hitting coach, I think that's the only thing logically that they can do that would make sense. That would be the right thing for them to do. Otherwise they do have to just openly embrace him. And they're obviously they're not ready to do that. So. And I mean, look, Manny Ramirez is a great hitter, but I mean, he's been documented several times with PEDs. Oh oh yeah. He did the thing too. But yeah, this whole push and pull thing with Sosa and the Cubs, I'm kind of tired of it. It's been going on for a long time. And I think the reality is it's just not going anywhere. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's just kind of stuck in neutral um, because it's very hard to talk about this subject just because naturally people have very strong opinions on either side. They have absolutely nothing want to do with Sosa or they're begging Sosa to come back. Um, a lot of people have strong opinions on that, and that's fine. I mean, your opinion is fine. I, you can make the argument for or against, then you know, I can't try to sway you either way. It's just, for me, very complicated to grasp because I have a lot of good memories with him, but there are also a lot of things that you look back and you're like, man, you know, you just, you, you didn't like that as much. And you realize that that was a long time ago and it might not be all that relevant now to have him around. So it's it's just a very complicated situation. Yeah, and, you know, I I respect the opinions of people who, uh, enjoyed watching Sosa. I can't speak for them. If that's if they liked what they saw and that's if then they had a lot of fun watching that, then more power to them. You know, I can't feel the same way, but you know, we're all different. If we all enjoyed the same things, it would be boring. So that's that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was only four in '98, so I don't really remember '98. But if I was a baseball fan today and I was watching that home run race, I would be just so sucked into it you would have no idea i mean because at the time but would you be disappointed if you found out it wasn't real that it, it oh, was God, all yeah. a charade yeah see it that's where i'm me. at it would hurt me yeah and i understand that i would understand that and you know i it still it hurts me a little bit too it does it may not hurt me as much as like you but you know part of me is a little hurt by that it's just you know i think people are hurt to a different degree i'm hurt to the point where it makes me feel icky at times, but I still can remember the few good memories I do have of him because that really did help my love of baseball. It's it's the angel and the devil. I guess that's not a, the best uh, example, but it's like one arm's being pulled one way, the other's being pulled the other way, and you're just kind of deciding which way to lean. It's very difficult. Okay, yeah, I, that's fair enough. You know, I'll say if he's the reason that some little kid got into baseball and he loves it to this day, then I'll call that a silver lining because I, the more people interested in baseball, the better. So I, I'll give it that, but I still am. I still think the whole thing is just rotten to the core. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's your opinion. And I think you stayed your opinions very well. And it's kind of good that we get to talk about scenarios like this or topics like this, because it does make for really good conversations. Yeah. Okay. I, I can abide the dude abides. Okay. So very quickly, we have one minute left. Do you have any hot food takes for us tonight? Oh, man, you know, I hadn't really thought of that hot food takes. I could just fire off a list of things I don't like, but that's kind of boring. Just fire uh, one just, thing off. I could just give you a, a hot take in general. Star Wars is overrated. There, I said it. Be quiet. Yeah, the universe is cool. The concept is cool. The movies themselves, meh. At best, meh. At worst, pretty darn awful. We could have an in-depth conversation, but uh, we are out of time. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. This has been the Cubby's Crib Podcast on the Fan Sided Network. Have a good night.